Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Wednesday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Tuesday. Uh, we've got too much employment. It's killing us. Uh, Dancing with the Stars is really uh, reaching fever pitch amongst the type of people who get feverish about this sort of thing. Uh, and then we'll finish up with bananas and chips. Not banana chips, I want to make that quite clear. It's two separate things. We'll be talking about bananas and we'll be talking about hot chips. Uh, but for any of that, uh, the reason you might need hot chips is if you've been drinking too much. The publican in question, though, he's previously been suspended over a series of incidents, most notable of which was hosting a wake for a formal mongrel mob member. And uh, the publican defended having a drink, as he put it, with his punters and described that uh, this latest incident as a normal Saturday night. And therein lies the problem. Firstly... It's not just having a drink, it's having way too many drinks. And secondly, how is this characterised as normal? If that's normal, we're in big trouble. A binge drinking culture whereby aggression and law breaking becomes part of the mix is not a healthy path to be on for anyone. It's lose-lose. We look to our bars, hotels and hosts of any kind of premises with alcohol for that matter to show responsibility and leadership to abide the law for a start and to keep punters safe, not put them in more danger. There's nothing wrong with a few drinks on a Saturday night, absolutely not, but our attitudes to alcohol and why we're drinking need looking at. Being hammered while serving customers and abusing police is not a normal Saturday night. We're all responsible, yes, for our own actions, but publicans leading the way by example would be a good start. And by the way, it's also the law. Anyone with ownership of a bar licence who doesn't get that deserves to have it cancelled. Yeah, that's, um, that sounds like crazy times up north. Um, I must, I've got, I've got to confess I was at a party not quite so far north on Saturday night and there was, there were a couple of, there was orange punch and red punch and um, yeah, I feel like the guy who's responsible for those punches was trying to poison us all. Uh, many people uh, a little bit under the weather the next day. And I blame him. It's not our fault. It's his fault. Definitely. Um, now, uh, whose fault is it that we just don't have enough people for all the jobs at the moment? There are people who work... Part- this is a lifestyle thing. That's really what it boils down to. It's lifestyle. And lifestyle expectations. And wanting to work when it suits them, not when they are required. There are people who, for instance, don't want to work on weekends. Why? Oh, well, they've got a partner and the partner works and they've got the weekends off, so they want the weekends off. Oh, but they're willing to work harder or more at other times. Well, the other times they're not needed. I mean, you could take, for instance, uh, organisations that had full-time employees and part-time employees, and the full-time employees work, we'll say, Monday to Friday, that's the norm, and on the weekends, for some of these organisations that um, uh, that work seven days a week, whatever they might be, they they need workers, part-time workers, on the weekend. And the part-time workers who might already be doing part-time work don't want to work on the weekend because of uh, examples of the like the reason I just gave you. And instead, they they say, um, I want to work more hours, but I want to do it when it suits me not when it suits you, and there'll be a couple of other conditions as well. But that's essentially what I'm suggesting is the main reason for this one in one in five, supposedly, which was why on the surface 
If you ask people, do you want to work more? Are you under, underemployed? Yes, I want to work more. But they don't add. I want to do it when I want to do it, and I want to do it from where I want to do it, and I don't want to do it there, and I don't want to have to catch public transport. I want to do it from home, for instance, or whatever it might be. Did people really say that they want to work more? I don't want to work more. I just want to get paid more. I would like, my, I mean, obviously, I would prefer, much prefer to work less, get paid more. How can I make that happen? Where's that survey? Sign me up. Uh, David Seymour. He's got more time for work now. He's got less time for dancing. June, Dancing with the Stars. Uh, David Seymour, love him or loathe him? Oh, I loved it. I've yeah. always been a fan of Dancing for the Stars. Yeah. And um, when I um, saw him that first night, I voted for him. And then, <laughs> Why? And then I, I, because he was game. And I just thought he was so brave, and so I, I voted for him all the way through. I think that there's I, a lot of, isn't right there? Right the way through. I followed him right the way through, and I voted for him all the way. Because I knew Jolly Will that they'd, you know, do it so that he'd be chucked off on the, you know, to the last one. Mm. But, you know. I didn't realise it was down to the last one. How many how many people are there left? Well, there's one, it's the next, um, the next one's the final. Are there only two people left, or three? no. There's four, isn't there? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, I thought yeah. they waited till there was only two left. Oh, well, oh, might be. There might be two. But no, I knew, no, I've got texts telling me there's only one go. left. But I, I just thought it was marvellous the way that the public got behind him. Do you think that the public support? Well, there's a whole lot of reasons they voted for him, and I'd love to. Well, I tell you the story that I wish that uh, MediaWorks would tell is how much money went to the charity from each vote, because you know, yes. it, as a media organisation, if you're going to bang on about transparency with politicians, maybe they should be transparent about how much money's gone to the charities. I love that June has always been a fan of Dancing for the Stars, which is of course not a program, so she's always been a fan. But she doesn't know what it's called. Mind you, uh, I mean, Mike uh, Hoskins has lots of fans out there as well, even though that's not his name. So what are you going to do? Hey, I've always wondered this. Why do we not grow bananas here? What's the story? So tell us what's happening with these bananas. Yeah, well, there's quite a few people planting them out and um, we're starting to see some very, very good results. What sort of results? Clarify that for us, if you will. Okay, well, last season we planted out um, seven what I call significant plantations. That's, you know, more than a couple of hundred stems. People are seriously getting on board, um, putting in commercial quantities, um, hopefully to meet the uh, commercial demand, which is uh, without doubt uh, in New Zealand for bananas. Homegrown bananas, of course, much tastier than those fellas. I was going to say, is there a commercial demand? I mean, we've got plenty of bananas. Uh, We get bananas from everywhere. Absolutely, but um, I think uh, you only have to try and go and buy a banana down at the Fungray Market uh, on a Saturday morning to see if you can find one because they sell, uh, they're sell sold out by 8 o'clock. That's the demand, the, uh, the quality, the flavours, the fact they're spray-free, there's no irradiation, um, and all the bananas are totally unique and New Zealand grown. That's enough to say, yeah, there's a demand for it. And is the price uh, that you, you get for these bananas, is it a premium? It's a premium price. Um, it takes six months longer to grow the fruit, uh, at least, than uh, in the tropics. But again, you've got a far, far more intense flavour and, and more varieties. I mean, you really only get one variety of banana through the supermarkets, whereas um, home uh, enthusiasts over the, you know, 
years in the gardens of New Zealand have been creating some absolutely and collecting some amazing different flavours from ice cream, uh, what they call the blue jar ice cream banana, mm. to pineapple bananas, sugar bananas. They're, they're all out there just uh, waiting to be found. And, okay, uh, so like you, you believe that consumers locally will buy these bananas over the imported bananas, which are clearly a lot cheaper? I don't, know, I don't see us competing at all with the import bananas. There'll always be a demand there, and um, certainly not. No, what we are doing is a totally different marketplace. Um, people who've tried these bananas will, will go for them if they can afford them. If they can't afford them, they'll stick to the ones from mm. the supermarket. Simple as that. But, so banana, but yeah, banana. Reason, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, banana is a tropical fruit, isn't it? So it's grown in tropical areas normally, isn't it? Banana. Gisborne's yeah. not a tropical area. So what's going on here? <laughs> you, know, you know, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, people are growing them as far south as uh, Nelson, as I know about. Yeah. Um, basically, uh, bananas don't like frost. It doesn't mean they're ne- necessarily a truly tropical fruit either. Um, varieties of bananas will grow in uh, Stewart Island or in the Cargill. You know, there, there are different varieties of bananas. There's hundreds, literally hundreds of different varieties. I like the idea of a bluff banana. You have bluff banana and a bluff oyster economy. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed that, that so that's the head of the Tropi- New Zealand Tropical Fruit Growers Association. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that his name is Hugh Rose, um, and not you know Hugh Papaya, Hugh Mango. This is stretch. All right, let's move on uh, quickly to uh, the final segment of this podcast, which is uh, Marcus, who had uh, quite a, quite the discussion about uh, hot chips and takeaways generally last night. Marcus, when we have a home cooked meal, we always go and get chips to go with it. Awesome, isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that some people would do that? I went out with a woman once that went next door to get chips, and I thought, jeepers, it's a game changer. I never thought of that. We're just going next door and get a dollar's chips for cheapers. Seemed so, um, it seemed like decadent to me at this. I thought, gee, wow, flip, I didn't know that was an option. I didn't even know that was an option. Um, yeah. So every home cooked meal, you go and get chips to have with it. That's, um, I mean, that's commendable. Uh, I, I, depressingly, I've had I've prepared two different kinds of salad for dinner this week so far. So salad and chips—that's the thing, I suppose. I don't. I think it's sort of not the purpose of the, having the salad for dinner is to then have have chips with it. Although I hate salad and I love chips, so I wonder if I can get that past the domestic manager. I I have my doubts somehow. I am Glenn ZB. That has been News Talk ZB. I will see you back here again tomorrow. Jeez, I want chips now.